is what this movie is presenting as the debunking of Harry Houdini's skepticism. But the way they present it, the way they present it is that they go, you know, he had a message for his wife. The message is, Rosabelle, answer, tell, tell, answer, answer, learn, idea. And I mean, for for Houdini's wife, this was like a punch in the gut. (laughs) God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to God Awful Movies, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because I I don't have a because. I'll ask Noah <laughs> to remind me about the because when he gets back. He's making full-grown Christians cry with nothing but words and hard eye contact and implied rage at Ken Ham's Ark Park. So this week, I'll be your host. For those who aren't familiar, I'm other guy Heath Enright. <laughs> And sitting wildcard to my immediate left is my good friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, welcome back. Thank you, Heath. You know what makes great evidence? What's that? Lying. Lying, yeah. it turns out. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely does. And sitting somewhere in the socialist paradise to my great white north is professional science communicator, award-winning podcaster, afforder of medicine, and activist for correct things, Jonathan Jerry. <laughs> Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here, Heath. Uh, Sad to see that Noah couldn't make it. Uh, You know, sometimes I doubt his commitment to Sparkle Motion. (laughs) (laughs) But anyhow, this is now my second appearance in the uh, Atheists with a Heart of Gold shared podcasting universe. Uh, I was on Incredulous, now the Gamcast. I can only hope I get my own movie real soon before Thanos shows up. (laughs) (laughs) TikTok. And uh, you are the host of the Body of Evidence podcast. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I co-host a podcast with Dr. Christopher Labos. It's basically a skeptical podcast looking at health issues. There's just so much misinformation out there about, you know, what is true if we we want to be healthy, about food, about exercise, about medication. Uh, So we look at all of that uh, with with a skeptical perspective. We also work with comedians, with musicians. uh, So it's a lot of fun. All right, Jonathan, in one word or less, veganism cures cancer. (laughs) My answer is, (laughs) (laughs) you heard that, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Is the answer. Yep. Yep. That's official. Half of the documentaries on Netflix are just called Mia at this point. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> all right. So uh, technically, we all watched a movie, something. We sure. watched something. <laughs> so I guess let's get to it. Tell us, Jonathan, what are we going to be breaking down today? We watched Beyond and Back which is not the two-disc compilation album of rock band X, uh, but rather the, (laughs) it's true, the 1978, and and please use as many quotes as you need, documentary (laughs) featuring undeniable evidence that when good people die, they see a blinding light and Jesus standing on a chessboard. (laughs) I like that you have the quotes in quotes (laughs) of um, documentary. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm a stickler for grammar, goddammit. <laughs> Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert, when he was alive, uh, gave the film one star and described its portrayal of Louisa May Alcott's sister soul as, quote, a small puff of steam from a tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that we happens. can only imagine what he would say if, like all the characters in this film, he came back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's exactly going to happen. We're going to get there. Uh, and Eli, how bad was this whatever the fuck? <laughs> well, if you love America's Most Wanted, but you wish it was based on literal fever dreams, you will love <laughs> this movie. It's the lady vanishingly small evidence. <laughs> or some <else>. right. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, just to be clear, this movie is, it's about near-death experiences, and it's I think it's pro NDEs, right? Yep, like, like they're saying, they're saying it's pretty great. Like you're lucky if you almost die because <laughs> you find stuff out. So I feel like we should make a quick disclaimer here. Um, don't do that. Do not follow <laughs> the implied advice of this movie in any way. Heath, I almost had a near death experience just watching the film. <laughs> yeah. And also, because I don't want to get yelled at by Andrew, don't hang yourself while you jerk off. Apparently, I need to say that. Be very clear. No matter how even though it's like a full reaching the other and just coming. Don't do that because Andrew's All mad right. at me. And Eli, Eli I, I feel like you need to say this on every podcast that you're on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, just you know what else safe. we need to say is and edit. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So is there anything you guys would like to nominate this thing for being the best at being the worst at best worst use of porn actors in a non-pornographic film <laughs> this is the best yep. little piece of trivia I, I also want to know if we can reach the point where Heat's laugh just breaks through the hypersonic <laughs> range where only dogs can hear it but allow me to explain uh, the, the director of photography for the film was known for shooting porno and I think that he brought a few, quote-unquote, actors with him for the shoot. 100%. Uh, yes. The, CP, the CPR they do in this film, when they choose to do it, uh, is is eerily reminiscent of another procedure involving hands. That's all, I, that's all I'll say. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I'm going to go with best worst blind person. Amazing. <laughs> There's a blind guy who... Seems completely unaware what that word means. It's fine. He's trying to act a blind guy. It doesn't work out. We'll get there. I have one other one. I'm going to say best worst. The entire movie is a spoiler for itself. Yeah, that's because fair. We know from the start it's about near-death experiences, but they try to have these suspenseful moments. And this includes multiple airplane scenes where the yes. characters are like, all right, well, being nowhere near death is so much fun. Let's do that in the sky for a little bit. Entropy yeah. is a scam. The universe is in perfect <laughs> and we're crashing. No way. Yeah. They've gone beyond, but will they come back? I don't know. It's maybe in the title. <laughs> Interesting. Perhaps it's not spoiled. Or is it? And isn't it? I was going to go with best worst answering your own questions. So, this movie will say and acknowledge true things almost a dozen times throughout, 
and then do a terrible job of answering them, right? They'll be like, but couldn't that have been a hallucination? And the answer nope. will be, are you saying Mary Harmsworth from Hankburg, Pennsylvania is a liar? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Mary from Hankburg is a liar. She just is. To be clear. She is. And <laughs> as we learned from Nate Silver, so is just about everyone in Pennsylvania. Um, and all the other white Christian people in America, which is every person in this movie. <laughs> Cannot wait to talk about it. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll tell you all about your born-again uncle at Thanksgiving yelling, Are you calling me a liar? The movie. <laughs> From the makers of Beyond and Back. I died and went to heaven. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, probably. Probably not. Comes the shocking documentary that will keep in place everything you know. But I couldn't have been dreaming. Yeah, you could. I, I could? Yes, you could. Well then. This summer, coincidence? Yes. But couldn't I have? Probably not, no. Okay. Hey, Eli. What you got going there? You get a, get a new haircut? No. What, why? Oh. Oh, no, that's fine. I, no, I just noticed you're getting a little thin up top there. Andrew! All right, Freeze. Look, you're under arrest. You're, uh, you're well, uh, uh, no, I mean, you're being sued. Uh, me? What? That's right. I'm suing you for calling me bald. Sorry, Heath, it was my only option. That is right, Eli. It is. What? No, it, that's absolutely not. Why don't you just try fourhims.com? What lawyer is that? Is that a different not, lawyer? No, not a lawyer. Fourhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Oh, oh, really, Heath? Hair loss pills? I, yeah. What's next? Ooh, Dragon Energy next to the checkout at the gas station. No, no. Fourhims offers prescription solutions backed by science. These are products that you'd recognize if we said the brand name, but, you know, we can't. So you'll look it up and you'll be like, oh, that brand name. It's like that. You can get that online? Let me see here. Give me a second. Forhims.com. Oh, that. that. That brand name. You can get that online? You can, exactly. See, it works. Forhims connects you with real doctors online, which could save you hours. Plus, it's completely confidential and discreet. Like when I tell Andrew about... Yup. Just like that. Uh, Keith, you, you, you beeped that out, right? Yeah, obviously. I actually have a filter that just beeps 10 seconds after he says, tell Andrew. It's permanently installed, so that just always happens. Yeah. Oh, that, Keith, that, that is so smart. I, I'm, I'm sorry yeah. about the fake suing you threat yeah uh, that right. Eli no, wrote that it. line that that you know no important we have a lot of fail safes it's it's a lot of our budget right there and if you want to order now our listeners can get started with the hymns complete hair kit for just five dollars today right now while supplies last of course subject to doctor's approval see website for full details and safety information this could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else or if you paid a lawyer to sue everyone who called you bald that's also, right. yeah. Exactly. Yes. Very important. So go to forhims.com slash gam. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash G A M. 
4hims.com slash gam. Sorry, Andrew. Looks like I'm going to have to handle this one myself. Oh, fine by me. You're billing him hourly? Oh, God. You should see his retainer. Take it out at night. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. And this one starts off with, I think, a cutscene from, like, Punch Card Galaga, like the proto (laughs) game, Uh, along with a Foley artist just spinning a blank record covered in very coarse gravel. Yes. The sound that we're getting. (laughs) This is a, we watched this on YouTube and this is a rough cut. This was thrown in with The Day the Clown Cried and some of those other lost films. (laughs) Yeah, we we hear uh, Harp Glissandi over a shot of space with receding stars and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, which episode of Star Trek went Baptist? Because <laughs> uh, this is god-awful movies. But no, it's the Sun Classic Pictures logo. Sun written with two N's. Uh, I guess they thought, well, Sun with one N is already taken, so we'll have to change that. <laughs> Wouldn't want to get sued by a celestial body. Yeah, that would be, that would be embarrassing. Yeah, that, that dude will really burn you. Um, yeah. <laughs> they actually managed to fuck up that Harp gliss, by the way. Like, was the harp guy missing strings or just not tuned? They couldn't even just run their hand along a harp correctly in this movie. It's so fast. Four American dollars for a harp gliss? Don't you have a second take or something we could buy instead? Well, I do. Yeah. And by the way, the first science mistake took eight seconds. We're watching a sun traveling through space with everything but the outer flames blacked out. Like, they seem to think this is how an eclipse works. Like, as if the, the, <laughs> like, the, like the sun's in witness protection and doing an interview, and they, they seem to be think they're showing us an eclipse. Oh. We just spoke to a star. We're not going to tell you which star. It's just a random star. <laughs> I'm a normal star. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we're going to open up on our narrator for the film, who I have labeled Dollar Store Orson Welles. <laughs> oh, uh... Rabbi Santa Claus. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. I, well, I was thinking it's, it starts with Rorschach from Watchmen walking <laughs> through a cemetery and talking to the camera like he's hosting the Twilight Zone. But then I realized, oh, wait, it's it's not Rorschach. It's just the video is in Betamax quality. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. He informs us right away that tonight we're going to hear from uh, scientists and um, parapsychologists. <laughs> yeah. They're adjacent to psychologists (laughs) and scientists, like extra adjacent, though. We're going to hear from science and not science tonight. (laughs) And I like how we're in a cemetery here, because those are more about death experiences. Not near, (laughs) but all the way, (laughs) as I understand it. Yeah, those are all misses that he's standing on. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where he says that um, tonight we'll be interviewing people who have died and just you know, not to defeat the whole movie out here at the outset, but um, nope. Uh, if you interviewed people who died, you'd just be, you know, standing on top of graves, pointing a mic at the ground. Yeah, much better movie, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, Peter I was going to say, Eli, I, I, I would watch the shit out of that movie. Absolutely. Well, I have some home video to send you. Phyllis Schlafly. Nope. We'll get to nope. it. No, right. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> so now it's uh, time for our first dead guy. Um, and... This guy might as well be saying, Lululu doing a live stuff. A live stuff is my favorite <laughs> stuff in this opening shot. Yeah. 
The lawyer guy who's getting into his car. Yes. That's what you're yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so he, he, he kisses his wife goodbye, gets into the car, and then the narrator comes in and says, what does it feel like to die? Lawyer Dan Wilson is about to find out. Uh, and and I wondered, <laughs> is this some sort of snuff version of Candid Camera? Did they plant a bomb in his car? Is the narrator Mr. Glass from Unbreakable? This What's is going on? Million dollar idea, Jonathan. <laughs> we are doing this. <laughs> oh. And when he says, what does it feel like to die? I really wanted 90 minutes of blank screen. Because that again, that would be an amazing movie if they were just like, nothingness. Here you go. <laughs> so yeah, he kisses his wife goodbye and he drives his car off a, I'm going to say off ramp to death. What? What was oh supposed to be going God. on in this scene? So ridiculous. Yeah, he's driving on like a mountain road and a big truck comes around and is in the wrong lane. Uh, he swerves and the, yeah, the honk. And then he's like, oh, no, 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 it's cool. There's a very convenient ramp right here on the side of this cliff. I guess that'll be cooler. Anyway, and he jumps the fucking General Lee over the Grim Reaper and off the side of the mountain. It's oh, so I, I think I think this is where they got that footage for SNL's Toonses the Driving Cat. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Toonses. This movie is made in 1978. So special effects were just, let's give Bill $20 and enough cocaine so that he won't feel it when the car hits the ground. It's You can see the guys pushing it off the cliff and then like waving to mom to say hi. It's the best. Yeah. Christopher Nolan is like, there you go. Those are practical effects, people. That's what I'm talking about. But luckily for him, there's a college brochure uh, waiting by the side of the highway uh, there, there to try is. to save him. Yeah, there's a, a bystander there who's a, a nurse who knows CPR. She, she needs help. She needs help, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if fully knows CPR is legit. Or I felt like you don't usually see this. Um, we get some aloof CPR. Yeah. Like, kind of like, mm, uh, all right. I don't know. Giving it, not at all giving it her all. No, just like yeah. kind of hovering over him and then she, it's the 70s. So she's like, oh, my God, my lapel's lodged in his windpipe. Start rescue breathing. <laughs> right. But he's dead, which means we get the first of many, many ghost monologues in the movie. And we see the tunnel and bridge of homemade kaleidoscope. <laughs> I, I was going to say we get our first look at what I can only describe as doodly-doo vision. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. now, yeah, now that he's dead, he's seeing things as if he's climaxing on the edge of a flashback. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently everybody sees this, or just about everybody sees this, when they have an NDE, they see a bridge. And this guy's explaining that if you don't cross it, you can't die. So you just you're immortal yeah. if you just never cross the bridge. <laughs> Avoid bridges. Keep that everybody. in mind, everybody. Just yeah. don't go on bridges if you're if you ever end up in a doodly do, just stay away <laughs> from the bridge. But yeah, he he goes over the bridge and he sees a, a city of lights and and all that kind of stuff. But it, he gets brought back to life by God or the the doctor. It's it's actually unclear to everyone except the narrator who brought him back to life in this scene. It must have been the nurse's heroic CPR efforts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, in, in Doodly Do Vision, he explains that he wanted to go to heaven, but uh, he'd figure his wife would remarry too quick, like right away. So he came back. He came back. His wife does not look happy to see him. No. I think she was planning on avoiding a very nasty divorce, but his miraculous recovery just 
leaves her no choice. Yep. <laughs> hey, don't you love bridges? I thought you said you loved bridges. What? Didn't we agree <laughs> that you were big into those? Is that come on? Is that offer expired, hon? Like, if you take a nap now, could you go? Please. Right. But our narrator pops back in to tell us that that is absolutely evidence of life after death. And that now that newspapers are talking about it, more and more people are coming forward. Like like so many real things where (laughs) where they go up when newspapers talk about it. Yeah. The resolution is finally high enough that we can see the, the, the host's face. And I thought, hey, it's Andy Wilson when he had hair. <laughs> also, the lapels of his suit are enormous. Yes. <laughs> I I think he may be to blame for sightings of the Mothman in West Virginia. That's, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Right. But our, our narrator is aware that you might be a little skeptical. Uh, so he introduces bit, us bit. to our second scientific source, Plato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember Plato? Maybe you heard of him, Plato. No big deal. He was right about everything. Everything. Just to be clear. Yeah. Played, by the way, in this movie by Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I was going to say John C. Riley. But, you know, props. <laughs> he looks very constipated. But props to the movie's research team because they unearthed footage of Plato. I mean, that's hard to find. He was one of the pre-internet philosophers. <laughs> but, yeah, this is basically where he's going to tell us about all the famous people who said they saw lights and tunnels when they were dying. So we get uh, Thomas Edison's last words here. Yeah, which was, uh, it's beautiful. The light is so beautiful. I invented that. That's so cool. (laughs) I murdered Tesla. I was going to say, just sees Nikola Tesla angrily standing there next to the light bulb with his arms crossed. Yeah, they're using your stuff up here too. All right, dick. (laughs) Come on. I hated Jews. And then... So we get a couple of famous people, but then just before our next piece of evidence, we get an incredibly sexual description of dying from a World War One pilot. Oh, yeah. The- <laughs> yes. Yes, I remember. <laughs> He's like, it was really weird. Really weird. He's like, yeah. So you know how choke sex is the best? Follow me. Roll with <laughs> Stay me. With- Stay with you me. You got to commit. You got to commit to dying and choke sex. But See? it's great. And you wanted to edit out my warning at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Now it's a callback that makes perfect sense. Andrew's not mad at me. So the narrator obviously knows what you're thinking. We visited the medical experts of Plato and Thomas Edison. But what about the well-respected field of thanatology? Well, good good news. He's going to talk about thanatologists. We're going there. Yeah. Those are people who study... Treating patients right before death, right? Yes. Approximately. Mm-hmm. So if you believe this movie, uh, a thanatologist should be an executioner, no? Yep, pretty like- much. <laughs> yeah, so we learn about the story of Dr. Stevens. And basically what this lady doctor did was interview people while they were dying. I'm not sure when she made the decision that someone got moved into her program. Just like someone coughs hard. Hi, Dr. Stevens. Nice to meet you. Hey, idea. How'd you like to move down two floors? <laughs> Eli, it's all, it's all about finding your niche. Like she found her niche. She stayed in there. But not only was she interviewed, she had staff on the other side of a two-way mirror observing patients dying like, like, like she turned the vulnerable and, and intimate moment of death into a criminal interrogation. 
Like, were they playing good doctor, bad doctor with the patient? Like, <laughs> where's the cancer? Is it in your liver and your lungs? Tell me. Now, now. Don't listen to Peter. I'm here for you. Would you like me to get you a snack from the vending machine? Yeah. I would love yeah, a snack. I'll definitely tell you about my experiences. Right. So this is... This Question, is, why does my hospice room have a giant mirror? <laughs> <laughs> we thought you might normal? like to check yourself out. Nobody wants to go out looking like a bag of shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right, new treatment. Uh, repeat after me. Give me the motherfucking key, sucker. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this leads us to a particularly convincing doodly-doo about a lady's boring couple date at her house. But where where does she go on vacation, Eli? <laughs> yes! Oh my god! So this movie spends like five minutes with both sets of couples, both the husbands and the wives, going, oh, Las Vegas was really lovely. Not at all relevant. There is 100% no reason to include not one, but two conversations about how nice their vacation to Vegas was. But it's in the movie. Yep. <laughs> so she collapses and dies... But luckily, a doctor is nearby to um, stethoscope her vagina. Am I crazy? Can you guys? No, you're not crazy. <laughs> That's what happens. Because, because, yeah, they're in the hospital trying to bring her back. And one of the doctors is, is clearly played by a young Harrison Ford. And he tells his superior <laughs> she's dead. And the boss says, keep trying. And, but the guy had his stethoscope dangerously close to her pubic bone. Like, how, how is that going to bring her back? What are they doing? Are they real doctors? Where is she? Check the pulse of her colon now. Maybe that's the problem. That's what you get for hiring porn actors. I'm sorry. This yep, is absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Occupational hazard. So she sees the, uh, the tunnel again. Yeah, the vision she has is like, they were test driving the Stargate technology for 2001 A Space Odyssey. But the special effects guy was like, yeah, we can only do black and white and it's mostly blobs. Right. It wasn't ready. Yet. <laughs> this is this is the test zone. Uh, but then she she comes back and in a super duper abrupt right turn, like she tells her experience. And then the narrator's like, and died right after she told that story. But damn it, if Dr. Death's students weren't still skeptical. <laughs> so we, we cut to a vision of her in the classroom telling about this experience and she's just getting the fourth degree from her skeptical students. Yeah, how dare they question her? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, the doctor who, who treated Anne is like talking about her her thanatology research here, yeah. I guess. Yeah, but, but, but just before that, you see her, you see the research of the thanatology, you see that her, her table is just filled with audio cassette tapes. And I thought, oh yeah, the, the OG podcasts, this is how it used to be. Maybe she was listening to the, the, the Daily on that tape recorder, you know, like, uh, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is a Daily. <laughs> they used to just mail it to you every day. It was a whole yeah. thing. Yeah, it's really, really difficult. And, and we do get one shot of the student questioning her. And this dude's mutton chops are <laughs> legendary. They're epic. They're epic. It's pretty ridiculous. Some guy just raises his hand. He's like, I'm a werewolf, as you can see. <laughs> do you all, do you really believe in all this nonsense that you're talking about life after death? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And and she says, I am a 100% certain about life after death. I'm a doctor. <laughs> and the, the, the whole group of students is like, rebel, 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 rebel. Absolutely. And so, so everyone loses their mind at this. So they show us that she made it into all of the 
Newspaper headlines? Would we say newspaper? They they throw a series of papers down that they have written headline-esque titles onto. They are not newspaper shaped. In the 70s, were newspapers index cards with crayon? (laughs) Comic. They have comic sans on them. (laughs) Also, apparently, randos called her up offering to kill themselves as part of the study. And religious people were mad at her because, uh, you know, she wasn't staying in her fucking lane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They didn't understand how the game was played yet. You should go, see, even close-minded death doctors agree with us. (laughs) (laughs) This would come later. It would come later. (laughs) I love that they got mad there. They're like, no use in data. No use in data. Come on. <laughs> That's ours. Even if you agree, that fuck, that fucks up our thing. We're, we do our own no data version of that. Stay in the lane. Follow-up yeah. question. Would you like to be in this study that proves gay conversion therapy works? You would. Okay. Excellent. Oh, great. This is working. Uh, but yeah, then our narrator chimes back in to let us know that um, a lot of people would say that was just that doctor's opinion. But it wasn't. Oh, no. It was stories. Yeah. (laughs) The the, the host plucks a file from a pile on his desk. I must have about like 75 of them. (laughs) And I thought to myself, oh, shit, I thought the movie was 90 minutes. This is one of those 27-part series on YouTube, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) 47 out of 50. The Illuminati strikes back. Yeah. Also, we're gonna we're gonna be spending a lot of time in that office with that with that narrator, and I think the film totally misses a queer eye moment here with the host. I want to see I want to see Bobby flip the guy's office. I want to see him paint his cabinets black. I want to see Jonathan Van Ness call Andy Wilson Henny, and I want ten friends. I want ten friends to put him in a better suit, a suit that elevates him, and to say I love that. I love it. You look so good. <laughs> yes, a much needed second generation queer eye makeover. Oh, yes. Right. So, with the antagonist of um, people who ask follow up questions firmly established, it's time to watch another guy die. This time, a construction worker. Best death ever. <laughs> Best death ever. It's my oh, favorite. Yeah, Amazing he works death. at Dave's Lava and Slippery Things Emporium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's like on the top. He's a construction worker on the top of a high rise that's being made. And one of his coworkers is like, hey, move. I need to get past this pile of loose bowling balls on this ledge. Oh, I knocked it (laughs) over. And he falls and he dives off the side of this building. And then somehow he's on a ledge way lower. Just he grabbed onto. I don't know. He's hanging for a second and then he falls again. It wasn't clear. So the guy who is the reason I think this is what the movie wants us to believe. The guy who falls, the reason that like our dead guy falls, he caught the ledge and pulled himself up. But our dead guy, he just saw someone fall and he was like, oh, are we all jumping? And he made it on his first try. Yes. Oh, that's. Also crazy. And, yeah, okay. <laughs> that also makes no sense, but that's what I think the movie was going for. Right. So he's <laughs> he's dead on the ground. And, and this is where the movie will sort of show its hand a little bit. This movie really heavily relies on random dude who just found you dead or really, really hurt. Can't get a pulse equals dead. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the guy does end up in the hospital, but it's like an early episode of E.R., but like back when doctors had three drugs and one of them was slapping the patient across the face until they, <laughs> until they came back to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on that note, the opening line of the hospital scene is one of the doctors saying to the other, 
the surgeon wants to take more pictures of him in the morning. Is <laughs> is that what surgeons do? Do they take pictures for Instagram? For like, <laughs> like selfies with dead people? That's fucked up. <laughs> It's a weird account. They're way into collages. It's 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 making a comeback. <laughs> right. And they, they, they have a nice loud discussion in the hallway about how dead he is, like right in front of this guy's wife. I know. But but like the specialist can't talk to the wife on account of her ovaries. <laughs> so he's talking to the other guy. And then the guy talks to the wife. And just in general, these guys have no idea what the fuck is going on. I don't know. Maybe this is 70s hospitals in general, but they're just yelling stuff that makes no sense. At one point, he's clearly dead. He's dead. He's 100% dead. And one doctor's like, get an EKG. And the, <laughs> the nurse is like, dude, come on. He's dead, man. Like, right, You're in sample e now. <laughs> Are we done? Can I just, can we skip the EKG if I just make the E sound? Come on. Needed the noise. That makes it way better. Also, would you defibrillate a guy who fell off a building? Is that ever <laughs> helpful? I... I feel maybe it, maybe I don't know the the medicine science on this, but that but seems. But he, he, what you would do is so the guy flatlines. Did the nurse say she tried a massage and couldn't get a raise out of him? She did. I mean, exactly I know this movie said. basically has a porn pedigree, but lady, time and a place. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Check his dick for a pulse. I don't know. <laughs> Give him some orange juice. Maybe he's diabetic. <laughs> He'll be fine. Yeah. So we get his afterlife doodly do. And basically, God sort of gives this construction worker the choice of eternal peace and joy or going back to his job as a construction worker, but with more medical debt. And he <laughs> he chooses the latter, which was surprising to me. Yeah. But before he does, he, he sees a bright light. Right? And he says he knew it was divine that he'd never felt so loved. And I mean, can you imagine the look on his face if instead... It had turned out to be aliens beaming him to their ship and sticking him with an anal probe. <laughs> I'd never felt so loved and so warm. <laughs> <laughs> he also does that thing of uh, floating above his own body mm -hmm. in his hospital room. And this is this seems to be a theme. Like angels hang out on hospital ceilings way more than I'd guess. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. I want to see him like fighting with other angels. Like, you know... Like, oh, come on, man. Like, we're sharing a room here, but just slide over. Like, I can't see. The, <laughs> the balloons are in the way. Or the, like, ceiling or a hospital ceiling is like their cheers, right? Like a big fat angel comes in. Everybody's like, Norm! It's like, yeah. <laughs> I do the kids' cancer award. What can I say? I'm here a lot. <laughs> but he comes back to life, and we have this great dramatic moment at the end where one of the doctors says to the other, he's like, hey, you, you don't think this guy was dead and then came back to life and saw heaven, right? And the second doctor just goes, I don't know. I haven't died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the first doctors so badly to be like, yeah, but like you have a guess, right? Like we don't, we don't have to go through open heart Probably surgery God. to do it. Probably God. <laughs> okay. I'm a doctor. All right. I'm a doctor. Right. So now it's time, obviously, for our narrator to handle the whole soul question. But, you know, scientifically, you see. Yeah, right. Science apparently doesn't like the word soul. Scientists prefer a magical mind angel. They do. I, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Jonathan, is that, is that correct? Is do that you, the term you, you use? What do you in, use? In the community of scientists? <laughs> I see you have read the scientific literature. He I have. Oh, okay, good. No, I thought I had, yeah. but, you know, good to know. 
Yeah, he's got a boo-boo on his magical mind, Angel. It's it's MMA for short, but uh, right. there you go. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan is way into that. <laughs> and if you want proof of the soul, by the way, how about the single craziest description of the law of thermodynamics I've ever heard? <laughs> yeah, it's... He's making that point about the law, the second law of thermodynamics, that energy can't be destroyed, which is, again, yes, that's not, it's in a closed system. It's very important to say all the things about that. And, but the whole, the general idea is just like, so what happens to the invisible magical mind angel energy that we made up? <laughs> yes. Well, and, and here's the metaphor they use. Real quote, fire turns to ashes, already know. Which in turn turns to steel. Also, no. Energy can't be destroyed. That is their example of conservation of energy. I was very confused. Yeah. And from there, he, he talks about the Stanford experiment, which... Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, that proved that the... No, 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 not the Stanford prison experiment. No. A different one. No, they, they proved <laughs> that the, the soul exists there. Tell us a little about the science on this. <laughs> yeah, so... So apparently it proved that electrical impulses of the brain can be transmitted. So they flew an observer to South America. The guy <laughs> concentrated. <laughs> I think the guy just wanted a vacation, let's be honest. Yeah, why would you fly him to South America? If you're trying to prove a psychic, just go in the other room. I don't know. <laughs> South America. So he, he, he concentrated on an image of the airport there, right? Just <laughs> concentrating. Concentrating. I mean, post 9-11, he would have been interrogated for looking like a scout for a terrorist organization. <laughs> but he's concentrating. He's, he's touching his temple, right? Touching the temple of his of his head. And Patrick Stewart saw that and he was like, I'll use that for X-Men. I'll make it so. <laughs> and then, and then in California, there was a test subject who received this mental picture and he drew an airport and they're like, wow, see, psychic stuff works. <laughs> I love that they flew him all the way to South America, but they couldn't then like take a cab to a random place <laughs> right. in South America. They're like, all right, well, just fly back right after you're done. Just uh, put your hand on your temple, do the airport, and then we'll, we'll have you come back. This is all good experience. I want to see the guy in California. They're like, all right, we've flown him somewhere. Can you tell us where? And the guy's like, I don't know. He's probably at the airport, right? And probably an like, airport. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here, you witch. I'm going to burn you and then drown you. He must have been so pissed. Like, oh, that guy gets to go to Peru, but I'm stuck in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is bullshit. I bet he, yeah, I'm going to draw an airport there. That's what I want. <laughs> I see an idiot trying to open an overhead compartment. He's about to get hit in the face. Yeah. <laughs> right, but just in case you're still skeptical, uh, they've actually got video of the real psychic Uri Geller as <laughs> yes. further proof him doing the compass moving trick. Uh, Eli, question. You're a magician. Jonathan, you're a scientist. Um, how do compasses move magnets? I feel like a <laughs> magnet could do that, no? No, they only move by the power of bending spoons. Yeah, no. exactly. Interesting. Yeah, Uri Geller's doing this, and everybody's like, oh, uh, do you mind removing your giant horseshoe watch? He's like, yes, I do, I, <laughs> I do. do. That's very, part of the thing. Shut very up. Very important to me. I'm going to it embarrass myself. It has to be a horseshoe-shaped watch. On national television. <laughs> and by the way, this movie's made in 1978, so like, a lot of people already know that Uri Geller is a fraud, right? Oh, this he is, was already on Carson, yeah. Yeah, using Uri Geller as an example of a psychic in 1978 is like having Louis C.K. be your favorite comedian now. It doesn't hold uh, up. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't hold up. Uh, 
Just Uri Geller, like, bending spoons at a shitty club in Long Island with a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Didn't think pieces about whether it's too soon. So so with that obvious fraud out of the way, we, we the narrator uh, tells us that all religions teach us that we either go to heaven or hell. Nope. No. No. <laughs> Actually. No. Just nope. Just just two. Just two or three, depending on how you use it. <laughs> but of course, this is the question of atheists, right? Do atheists go to heaven or hell? And more importantly, can atheists deny that people have died and come back? <laughs> can atheists deny this medium large stack of papers on my desk? <laughs> And Watch me roll around in it. This is science. And yes, yes, we can. That's that's the whole show this week. <laughs> yep, we will do that. Yep. And this is where he's, the narrator's like, okay, well, if you don't believe in God, let me tell you a story about World War II. That's, that's not a great starting point. If no. you're looking for a little bit of problem of evil built into that. We won <laughs> in the end, but still. Yeah, it's a weird, come on. It's a weird test. And, and, so this is our next dead person to get to. And, yep. and this guy, this person whose death was a literal fever dream, like not the expression, a literal <laughs> fever dream. Yep. But, I, but I was very happy to watch uh, to watch young Richard Dawkins early acting career. Yes, this guy looks so, <laughs> looks so much like the R dog. Wanted a time traveler to step out of a clock next to him. Hey, man, let me see your phone and snap. Great. Excellent. <laughs> Go get the flu and stay off the internet. <laughs> but um, he was trying to be a soldier in World War II. And I, I just have, once I saw this in Jonathan's notes, I just have him as Richard Dawkins in my notes. So Richard Dawkins <laughs> wanted to be a soldier in World War II so he could be a doctor. But darn it if he didn't get the flu. Yeah, he was really looking forward to showing that Hitler fellow what for. Right. So in an attempt to trick the army into letting him go to World War II, he took a bunch of aspirin and told everyone he could walk it off. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. He's got 106 fever and he's got a bottle of aspirin inside of him. And he's like, I'm the perfect source of evidence now. And <laughs> what else I'll do be you used need, in a folks? documentary. What else do you need? Yeah. But again, he has pneumonia. Uh, so he collapses and we see him being all iced up and his temperature is 106. And, and this is the scene where the doctor gives the nurse like the the finger wagging. I'm very disappointed in how dead this guy is. Talk. Yes, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> when he walked away, I wanted the nurse to start punching him in the dick. You got me in trouble. <laughs> well, yeah, it's him. This doctor's like, all right, he died. I, I want a full report about everyone responsible. And she's like, that, that's you? You're his doctor? <laughs> You're what? You. Do you want me to hold up a mirror? I, we have a death room next door where you can talk it out with yourself if you want. <laughs> but yeah, this is when he jumps out of his body. Yes. So young Richard Dawkins has an out-of-body experience. He's floating over a town and then he lands near a church and he says, listening to these lovely bells, so much nicer than the aggressive sounding Hello Akbar. Or, or is that just my cultural upbringing? And he got booed out of heaven. Uh, that's, 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 a Muslim ghost standing next to him. Dude, you're not doing yourself on, any man. favors. <laughs> I think you smell different. Eh, none of us smell right now. So that's on you, Richie. Eh. <laughs> Let's eat some human. <laughs> Let's eat a guy. 
Right, but he he floated out of his body and he walked around town a little bit and he was seeing lights and memories. I mean, this clearly could not be your brain this firing as it nears death now, could it? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, right. Nope. But then, then he, he comes back to his body. Oh, this is my favorite <laughs> point in the movie. And he just like immediately comes 100% alive. Is this when the doctor does a full MMA mount and just ground and pounds the shit out of him until yes, he's alive again? it is. He hits the guy in the chest with his fist. His fist. <laughs> like, like, God damn you, why oh. are you still alive? <laughs> Might as well elbow him like the Fonz, like, hey, and he turns on the jukebox, yeah. I think the only way that this whole sequence makes sense is if Richard Dawkins is the doctor's bastard son. He just, he does not want his wife to find out. Yeah. Like, go back, go back. <laughs> oh, it is phenomenal. Right. So, so he's alive. He made it uh, after, after that incredible. And look, this movie's on YouTube. Everyone who made it or has anything to do with it is dead. So please watch this on YouTube. Watch how hard this guy punches this other guy in the chest. It is <laughs> worth your time. But yeah. He's he's alive. He's made it back. And and again, we we have this sort of wrap up with the doctor where the doctor sort of turns to him and he goes, he's like, Doc, was I actually dead? And he's like, look, son, you're going to study medicine. We don't know shit. Really, I don't, I don't know fucking anything. 90% of medicine at this point is guessing. You should just know that now before you step into medical school. And the guy asks, he's like, well, okay, so I was dead and I came back to life. Is there any chance you made a mistake? To which the doctor responds, no, no, <laughs> no chance I made a mistake. You probably just went to heaven, met Jesus, saw your own body, located a couple of lost objects, and then came back to life through a miracle. That's the only possibility I can see. <laughs> yeah, paternalistic medicine was the best medicine, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess... That was the important takeaway from World War II. We got it just now. A guy got overheated and he saw Jesus. And uh, it's about time for Eli to use the bathroom and try the same thing. So yes. we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> but first, let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Nope. Find out the answers to these questions and more when we return for the Little Big Lies conclusion of Beyond and Back. Where? Where am I? Mike Dukenberry. I am Vishnu. God. Really, you're Vishnu? Because I feel like you'd have an accent if you were Vishnu. Get out of the sketch. You get out of the sketch. We're doing this. Embarrass me in front of Jonathan Jerry. Noah. Anyway, sorry about that, sir. Welcome to the afterlife. Oh, so the. mm. Hindus are right. Yes, that's what you were going to say. Oh, because I was a pastor. Yep, yep, I know. I'm a god. Like, full time. Yes, yes. But your time has not come yet. You must go back to the world of the living and tell them the truth. Clear! (gasps) Doctor, he's alive! That's not possible. He was dead for 15 minutes. I, I was dead. I saw the afterlife. Really? What'd you see? Um, Jesus. Wow. Yep. Saw Jesus. The big J-Dog. Feels accurate. Yep. (laughs) 
Oh man, not again. Hey, Eli, what, what's up, what's wrong? Oh, hey Heath, sorry about that. I've just been trying to code my own website and it is not going well. You know, HTML, CSS, Java. I just wish there was an easy way. Uh, I think there is. Why don't you try Wix.com? What's Wix.com? It's the easy, code-free way to build your own website. With their simple ADI, you can answer a few questions about what you want and have a beautiful, functional website right away. I can? Sure can. Plus, they've got tools to sell your videos, schedule bookings, and even sell your music if that's what you're doing. Wait, and all of that without having to write any code? That's right, no code. And you can get started now by going to Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com slash podcast to get 10% off. That's Wix.com slash podcast. Wow. Wix seems like the easy and affordable way to go. But be honest, what do you think of the code I've written so far? The, this right here? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a Word document that just says, yes. uh, open bracket, and it says, Website with boobs.com closed bracket. Yes. And? That's great. No, it's great. You're, right? you're, you're crushing it. You are a computer scientist. I'm a Google. You're Google. <laughs> <laughs> sure are. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm a Google. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And now we're going to fast forward 20 years and prove that God is real by looking at the story of a blind guy with cancer. And this actor's choice for blind is, I'm just going to say, baffling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he spoke to someone about this thing and his acting coach was just like, ah, blind people, they look off into the distance. Don't worry about it. Just... <laughs> Off into the distance, you're fine. Hey, but okay, blind guy, you want to stop walking around and looking at stuff during the scene? That'd be great. No, because I'll occasionally look off into the distance. Don't worry, everyone will believe I'm blind. Cool. Don't read the eye chart. Don't read the eye chart. You're reading the eye chart. <laughs> Out loud. I-E-J. <laughs> and, and this is where he's, he's talking to his doctor about how terrible it is to be blind. He calls his tumor a... Ball of microbes? Jonathan, I I'm not the science one here. Are tumors balls of microbes? They are not. They are not. <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, yeah, you're, 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 you're still sane, mostly. Right. And, and he mostly. explains to us that once he got used to being blind, he realized that it was actually pretty sweet because of tomatoes and his words, not ours, Touching his wife's face while he sleeps? <laughs> um, specifically, he, he seemed to be saying that his wife sleeps with her face pressed up against his face. I was very unclear about the metaphor he was going for And here. he never noticed that until he was blind? <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> At least he was touching his wife's face while she sleeps and not other people's wives <laughs> yeah, while they be sleep. Because that would yeah. be a whole different movie. Yeah. So we cut to the blind guy's operation. <laughs> Now, again, I you've got the medical podcast, Body of Evidence. Uh, it appears that this operation consists of stuffing cotton into his skull. What medical procedure is that, Jonathan? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not a medical doctor, but I would say it's probably a, cut a, a cotonoscopy. Oh, a cotonoscopy. Okay, <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> or, or he, if they remove it, it's a catenectomy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, they, yeah. So they, they've got the like half a sweater in there, but wouldn't you know it? <laughs> something goes the wrong. The nurse is like knitting over him. <laughs> yeah, pretty this. much. <laughs> but yeah, something goes wrong. And the nurse is like, doctor, I'm losing it. Pong on this Atari, on this Commodore, <laughs> on this whatever we've set up here, this weird machine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, blind Jacob Thompson, he flatlines for five seconds. And the anesthesiologist by the, uh, the, the Atari monitor, he tells a surgeon doing CPR, it's no use. He's gone. I mean, those doctors back in the 70s, they weren't super motivated to bring their patients back to life now, were they? Yeah, yeah. he might as well say it while they're prepping him for surgery. He's just like, now don't you worry, you're going to count back. It's no use. He's Come got, on. Wait, wait till he's asleep. Come on, Dave. The fuck's the <laughs> cotton going to do? That's dumb, right? Well, cotton is the fabric of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they did it. That's excellent. There's that laugh. There's the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. That is a tagline for cotton. 90s commercial plus Heath, you're going to get him every time. You're going to get him every <laughs> time. But yeah, he, he has a death vision. And in his death vision, he sees the whole thing. But he, but because he, he's blind, but he, he sees. Yeah. Anyways. I love that they, they try to go to use the defibrillator again. And the nurse drops the paddle? Yes! Okay, it turns out that the <laughs> dropping thing is on purpose, but when that happened in the movie, I was so happy. He's like, nurse, defibrillator. And then she's like, oh, fuck a duck. And he's like, oh, oh my foot. <laughs> ah. She defibrillates the doctor. She's like, go into the tunnel and get him back. I don't know. Is my doing right? <laughs> right. But the, the whole point of this is that like, how is it possible for him to see what was going on in the operating room while he was dead? And, and Jonathan, they've actually studied this, if I'm not mistaken, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, to to a certain extent, I mean, not with blind people, but I mean, uh, it did remind me of the AWARE study, right? So they had installed shells with objects on them. You could only see from the ceiling. They did this in, in many hospitals, but the shells, they only had them in areas where they thought cardiac arrest was likely. So they installed like a thousand of these shells across all the participating hospitals but only 22% of cardiac arrest took place uh, where the shells had been installed. But they reported on, on what had happened because they interviewed uh, many of the patients who went through cardiac arrest to see what they had seen. And fun fact, half of the patients they interviewed afterwards said they had no recall, awareness, or memories from the experience. And I would love to see beyond and back to the other testimonies. <laughs> <laughs> it would be boring, but but accurate. Oh, interesting. But 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 in the remaining half of their patients, most had memories that had nothing to do with the near-death experience, and only nine had something that sounded like an NDE, and only one described what the medical personnel did to him while his heart had stopped. But again, here's the twist. There seems to be, as far as I can tell, I'm not an, an expert on this, but there seems to be a genuine interrogation as to, okay, so your heart stops, you remain conscious for how much longer after that? Because obviously if you're thought to be dead because your heart stops beating, but your brain is still aware for a little while, you will hear things and see things that you can then say happened, quote, while you were dead. Yeah, which hey. again, makes sense because of, you know, the timing between heartbeats, right? You're not dead in between love and dub. <laughs> right. But according, according to Beyond and Back, you do like a, a microsecond mini chat with Jesus in between every heartbeat. <laughs> also, uh, follow-up question. You said 
they put these things on the ceiling in the places where they thought cardiac arrest was most likely. Yeah. Why not just keep patients out of those places if they know what those places are? <laughs> yeah, it's called the emergency room, Heath. <laughs> they so don't go it. there. Stay out of it. emergencies. Jesus. Heath thinks it's like an emergency-based location. Just like, oh, no, that room, room 305, that's oh, the bad one. That's the fucking lightning yeah. room. Why, don't, why do we have a lightning room? Look, you need a uh, lightning room. How are you going to get those interviews for your weird double-blind examination? <laughs> So, yeah, he was able to see things after his death, like doctors and nurses. But the narrator of the movie knows what you were thinking. How do we know those people died and weren't just psychic? Is that what you were thinking? That's that's what the movie is pretty sure what you were thinking. But don't worry. We have a story that's much, much more directly about Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way. This guy, like, knowing stuff about the stuff while he was dead, this is just a mediocre magician, right, Eli? Like, I feel like he's just doing, like, mentalism bullshit. Yeah, he's just guessing. He's just like, no, you were over me and you pushed your glasses up. Yeah, you're a doctor with glasses. No, I kept my glasses on my face and never touched them the entire surgery. You have once lost a pen in your life. Well, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Check your wallet. Okay, okay. I also yeah. love the scene where uh, the blind patient, after coming back, he asks the surgeon, uh, was I dead? And the surgeon is really like, uh, listen, oh, man, priests don't even know what is meant by dead. I mean, and, and doctors, I mean, we don't even all agree. Is it four seconds after the heart stops beating? Is it two minutes before it does? I mean, <laughs> there's a guy called Schrodinger. He doesn't know if his cat is alive or dead. So uh, don't sue this hospital, please. Like I've, got three, I've got three young children. They need food. My wife isn't allowed to work on account of her ovaries. So Ovaries, yeah. No, yeah. of course. That would be terrifying. But I, I love, I just, I, I wanted something to test the fact that this guy's clearly not blind too. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted, like, James Randi to walk in and throw a baseball at his face and just be like, oh, look, blind guy can catch all of a sudden. Interesting. <laughs> or it just hits him in the side of the head and Randy's like, oh, my bad. My Sorry. bad. <laughs> Here's $1 million. Blind, <laughs> blind and guessing. Should have gone with blind and guessing. That's on me. I fucked a bunch Right. So the narrator knows what you're thinking at this point, right? We've learned about this blind guy and his ability to see when he was dead. But how do we know that these people didn't just have psychic powers? Well, don't worry. We've got a story that's much more directly about Jesus. And this is this is plain lady and her very, very unfortunate first flight lesson. Ugh, this is rough. There's not there's not a single sentence in the entire 1970s that doesn't degrade women, including this. <laughs> this was so rough. It was just like some lady and her husband, and she's like, hey, can you let me fly the airplane that you just got? And he's like, uh, what about your lunar estrus? I don't know. <laughs> Go wait in the stair truck. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it basically it looks like a cut scene from Moonraker once they take off. It is, it is glorious. <laughs> it is glorious. Oh, yeah. So they're they're up in the plane and surprise, surprise, um, it crashes and she survives the plane yeah. crash. Now, look, I, I, I again, they use pseudonyms because all these stories are made up or if they're not made up, they're incomplete. But like, according to this movie, they were at full height 
and plummeted to the earth and she escaped with like a sprained wrist. So we <laughs> we see her she bruised looks like, yeah. in this crashed airplane. She should have need she should have needed a face transplant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's the silliest crash possible, the whole thing. Oh yeah. First of all, they're up in the sky, and this is an exact quote. She says, This is what I call really living. <laughs> Not for long. Not for long. Adjacent to this is more living. Death is super far away. We like being alive. I'll tell you something right now. I'm never going to die. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Neither am I. Right. <laughs> and then the plane actually crashes and it, it's so dumb. Like they might as well like get their engine hit in the air by a flying apple cart and then it spins <laughs> out and it explodes in a silly explosion. It's so dumb. Oh, the Roadrunner just paints a tunnel in the middle of the air. Her husband's like, oh, that looks like a shortcut. Bam. She flies into the afterlife. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm in the gel thing. I'm in the gel thing. Damn oh, it. shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, while they're crashed, she has a vision of her husband in his brand new suit <laughs> getting the welcoming speech from Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how, like, the idea of their afterlife is that Jesus comes and gives you an introduction to campus like a college intern. Just like, hi, everyone. I'm Jesus. Follow me. <laughs> if we get lost, I'm wearing the shirt with the blood stains on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we see her see Jesus. And then afterwards, she's talking about this with her pastor. And she oh, has man. some questions. <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, that priest is sitting creepily close to her. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> although, although at least she's of age, so I guess that's right. progress. Absolutely. That's a win? It's a win. It is a win. Let's yeah. be clear, that is a win. But he's like, yeah, he's sitting inside her neck brace. It's it's <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, she says, I have something to ask you. And the reverend's like, sex? And she's like, afterlife stuff. And he's like, right, afterlife stuff. That's yep. what I said. What did you say? Afterlife? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, again, just to her pastor, we got to see it on screen, but to her pastor, she confirms, nope, I saw my husband dead in his new suit and saw him get personally welcomed to heaven by Jesus. And then does she, I was confused by this. Does she say that I knew this all happened because I saw him without shoes and socks on? Right. And because as we all know, you can't get buried with sh shoes and socks on? Is that a thing? You can't? Get a, they won't put you in the casket. Like there's like a your friend's mom from when you were a kid in the casket. Like we're a shoes off casket. Like, what? <laughs> oh, you got that family who went to Japan on vacation. All of a sudden, you got to take your shoes off when you go to their casket. Really? Okay. okay. Relax. You're from it's Connecticut. Fine. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that is a true thing. I looked it up, and um, this this is great because I got to I I go down an internet rabbit hole sometimes when I follow these things. So if you Google it, you will find what I found, which is a fight between two funeral directors on r forward slash funeral directors or whatever the Reddit for funeral directors <laughs> is about whether or not people explode if you leave their shoes on when they go into the ground. What? What? It's on Reddit. Honestly, I could have made our entire episode about this insane conversation. It's just a, an increasingly less and less civil conversation between two funeral directors, one of whom is like, you put their fucking shoes on, their brains are going to explode right in the middle of an afternoon service. <laughs> This is what? like this is like Korean fan death, but taken to the next level. Yes. <laughs> 
What about gloves? Could you wear gloves? I feel like the same effect would. <laughs> then your yeah. feet will explode, I guess, going to one of those guys. Okay, yeah. but then the, if your the head energy, and your the feet energy explode, has to then... go somewhere, you can only yeah. transform it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, look it up on Reddit. It's insane. So, yeah, uh, with Jesus firmly introducing himself to people out of the way, it's time to go full bullshit with the 21 grams study. Oh, God. Okay. Just, so. You want to tell us a little about this, Jonathan? Sure. So the 21, I, I read the study. I looked at criticism of it. Uh, let me share with you that the paper contains the phrase, uh, the fluidity of feces. So thank you for Name adding that to my in. day. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh, the experiment was published in 1907. It was conducted by Duncan McDougall. He managed to do something pretty edgy. He found moribund patients, often with tuberculosis, they weren't moving much as they neared death. And so when he thought they were about to die, he placed their bed on a scale and he measured them until they died. And the claim is that at the time of death, he recorded a loss of mass from three-eighths of an ounce to 1.5 ounce, so roughly between 10.6 grams to you know 42.5 grams. Now, there are a lot of problems with this experiment. Yeah. First, first of think? all, yeah. 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 <laughs> this is a good deal. I have questions. <laughs> first of all, I think we can question the accuracy and precision of the scale he was using. This was pre-electronic scale, I think. Okay. Uh, back- that was not my question. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but first things first, it probably wasn't a great scale. <laughs> I think that uh, back then scales were powered by steam and carriage horses, if my knowledge of history is reliable. <laughs> also, like assessing the precise moment that somebody dies in the early 1900s, was, you know, let's say a tad subjective. Okay. Yeah, McDougall was confident in the results of only cases one, two, three, and five. So four people. That's big data right there. (laughs) Big data. (laughs) N N equals four. And he wrote in his paper, quote, I am aware that a large number of experiments would require to be made before the matter can be proven beyond any possibility of error. But as far as I can tell, it's (laughs) never been repeated. (laughs) And finally, fun fact, very fun fact about this experiment, especially for vegans out there. It looks as if he killed 15 healthy dogs yes! in the name of what science. What the fuck was yeah. that? So he wanted to see, yeah, he, he just wanted to see if dogs had a soul that could be measured leaving the body. And he writes that ideally you would want dogs dying from some disease that rendered them incapable of struggle. Quote, it, <laughs> it was not my fortune, he writes, to get dogs dying from such sickness. But anyway, uh, he couldn't measure the soul leaving these dogs at the moment of death. Dogs don't have a soul. I can imagine Dr. Duncan McDougall with his own god-awful movie spin-off series, watching all dogs go to heaven and screaming for two hours, this is implausible. I measured the damn dogs. They got no soul. <laughs> yeah. What I learned from this study, and I, I didn't read the study, I just watched the movie, is that this guy needed a really, really long and extensive excuse to kill a lot of dogs. <laughs> yeah. This means that at some point, they rounded up a bunch of almost dead dogs. They had, no. That was part of this living job, Living right? dogs. Living. They just put to sleep a bunch of living dogs. But I, I also love that he tested, I think it was like six humans, but he was like, for dogs, I really need to go up to 15 if I want my sample <laughs> set to be six uh, humans accurate. And he was like, oh, look, you know, they, this, this dog had a dozen puppies. I'm not going to not take all of them. <laughs> yeah. Also, so, did, so the dogs, uh, they, they didn't lose the 21 grams on average or whatever. No. So he decided that dogs don't have souls. But I mean, 
don't be stupid. They, they would only lose three grams. You have to use dog grams and divide by seven there, right? Read a book. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, I have a couple other questions, if you don't mind. Sure. So the, um, the floating angels, they all took the clothes with them, as, as we saw in this movie. And that's way more than 21 grams. That so, is true. So the soul actually has a negative weight, right? Wouldn't that, isn't that what that would mean? Ooh, and then uh, on top of this, here was my question, right? Does anyone have a fat soul, right? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you die? They're why, testing us. Why are you, you the one bringing this up, Eli? I'm just, I look, I'm just, one, maybe I have a bigger soul. If I'm weighing myself, I just I feel like my doctor hasn't been counting. I might have a heavy soul. But I would say that it's probably a beautiful soul, Eli. Thank you. Love it for what it is. Somebody gets reincarnated as Eli and they gain 100 pounds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it. And we, will get, and we will get to reincarnation later in the movie. Because <laughs> let's throw that in there. Sorry, just one other question. Um, I'm thinking to myself, it seems like there's a way to do this without anybody dying or almost dying. Couldn't we just like weigh somebody while they pronounce that they're switching religions? Just be like, <laughs> I'm Jewish and I'm lighter. Interesting. Wow. So Jewish is not the right one. Got it. Lost yeah. soul. Okay. You, you got to get them at the time of apostasy. There you go. Which in some case, which in some cases is the same as the time of death. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> there we go. That's science, according to our science guy. We did it. Official. The canon. scathing atheist weight loss program. <laughs> is Andrew going to cover me on this? How absolutely? How does that work? All right. If you kill yourself, Andrew will defend you. <laughs> Especially if you do it during autoerotic asphyxiation. Yes, nope. three times. Callback. Perfect. Oh boy. <laughs> Made it in the show. Yeah. All right. So now that we learn you can weigh the soul, according to the movie, um, you can also fucking see it. So we're going to get some stories of people who saw other people's souls leaving their body. Physically saw them. <laughs> yeah. Starting with Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> yeah, her sister. She watched yeah. her sister's soul hop out of her at death. The, the aforementioned uh, puff of steam that Roger Ebert mentioned. <laughs> yep, yep. It's a beautiful special effect, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, how come nobody else that they've mentioned from their giant stack of papers saw smoke when somebody died yet? Yeah, you, you can't even see the smoke anymore because we're not allowed to smoke inside buildings now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I've... I've seen the smoke thing when Noah falls asleep watching TV. I mean, <laughs> people follow just, Noah around. They'd be like, he's dead. He's alive. No, he's dead. dead. He's alive. Alive, dead. Alive, he's dead. dead. <laughs> Holy shit. We need to do a documentary about this guy. That guy dies every six minutes. What's going on? <laughs> uh, and then, of course, it wasn't just Louisa May Alcott. There was also a, a lady from Mississippi, and she couldn't be lying or mistaken. Of course not. And then... So we get the story of a couple of people who saw souls leaving body. And then we get the story of a French guy who <laughs> photographed his wife's soul leaving mm. her body. Because he made a death porn pact with her very clearly. <laughs> and they tried to pretend that's not what it was. Yeah. This, this, is this, is, this is 1911. So, so yeah, he and his wife make a promise to photograph the other at the moment of death. Now, it's, it's one of those really old cameras. You, you practically have to hand crank it for 20 minutes. So the wife is on her deathbed. Yeah. I can just imagine her husband like behind the camera going, 
Okay, now uh, don't move for the next uh, half hour. Okay, uh, <laughs> do you need to go? Do you, do you need to go potty? Because uh, now now would be the time. Huh? <laughs> I, 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 no. really, I really need you to be still while you die. It's a lo- it's a long exposure, you know. I need to go to the potty now. <laughs> well, gotta admit that the best subject for that kind of photography is a dead lady. You gotta say she's gonna really stick to it. It's gonna yeah. be great. It's what we call a still life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One other question about this part. Shouldn't the smoke go back into the body for all the people who came back to life? <laughs> yes. Like nobody noticed that in all these cases of the NDEs they've been talking. No, they see smoke going out a couple of times, but never back in. These are all oh, NDEs. The first ever vape Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> we found it. So yeah, not, not only can you weigh the soul, but you can see it and fucking photograph it. But the movie's not done being crazy because now for absolutely no reason the movie is going to present us with sure normies see this stuff but what about famous people (laughs) right uh so this is the narrator once again who's narrating in his office and you know what this movie could have used like a sidekick for the host like throw jim baker's wife in there saying "Mm mm-hmm that's right (laughs) absolutely yes (laughs) that would have made it so much better amy faye but yeah we learned that ernest hemingway thought he died and look there's no one more reliable on his life than Ernest Hemingway let's be real (laughs) that's right (laughs) Tammy Faye Baker is the hype man for a farewell to arms I like it I like it Uh, and this is where he lists us the 14 elements that all near-death experiences have in common except for when they don't (laughs) yeah (laughs) these include and I'm not making these up seeing a light or dark Seeing cities or water or countryside, you know, specific stuff like that. Yeah. Doors, bridges, oceans, and these are all the same thing. They're all the same. <laughs> They've all also. got one yeah. thing in common, stuff. Mm-hmm. But but just in general, it's people seeing light and feeling warm. Those are that that's like actually the only threads I've seen in this. And that's all those symptoms come from like a decent goo ball at a, at a fish show or a hippie festival. <laughs> Everyone at Burning Man dies and comes back every day. Yeah, again, Stupid. these people needed to follow Noah throughout the 90s. They'd be like, that guy has died 146 <laughs> times. <laughs> it was a miracle. That's right. <laughs> this, is, this is actually about Noah. He's in that tunnel right now. That's why That's he's right. not on the show. Just hanging out. Yeah. He's just hanging out, yelling at people. Yelling at yeah. Jesus. People as they fly by. Slow the fuck down. What are you doing? Is that Thor and Loki? What are you guys doing? Come on. Don't yeah. use the same mm-hmm. thing. And before we wrap up, of course, they've got one last dead lady for us. I, I'm not really sure why we got this dead lady. What is she supposed to prove? Well, I mean, the, the thing that the thing that I love about this particular case is that it's the return of out of focus Jesus. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but but he's now standing on a floor with a checkerboard pattern. So I had to wonder, how does Jesus move on a chessboard? Does he move diagonally like a bishop? Or is he a queen and he moves pretty much wherever he wants? Oh, I actually, I, I know this. He only moves one space at a time. Do you know why? Why? King of Kings. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> well done. Oh, I, And really, the only thing that I loved about this scene is she sees Jesus, but there's this great moment when she's dying where her husband goes, Ursula, <laughs> Ursula, come on now. You're making a scene. <laughs> You're downright hysterical. <laughs> 
this movie is not kind to half of the world's population. No, nope, it is not. So now the movie wants to know, is it a coincidence that all of these people saw God? Right. If you cherry pick your evidence, then no, it's not a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. And nowhere near all these people described seeing God or Jesus in your movie. We've been watching. Not they're not all saying that. In fact, they're about to get to something entirely different that completely ruins their own movie. Yes, it's the atheist, isn't it? Yes, the atheist. So let's just set this up, Eli. What's happening with the atheist? Okay, so we we meet the avowed atheist, and when he died, he also met Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the guy says, light dropped on him like a shimmering net. There he was, a strange man, looking at me with piercing eyes. Yet they were warm eyes. I wanted to go with them. You know, I think for, bu- for I, I think for budgetary reasons, the film had to splice in some footage from a therapy session with a married man who went to his first gay disco bar in the seventies, and he found out there's a lot he didn't know about himself. Yes, absolutely. And again, like the entire time I'm watching this movie, I'm just like, I will buy everyone in this movie a hit of salvia, and they'll be like, Oh, your brain just does weird stuff. Got it. Okay. That or I died during that hit of salvia. I really wanted to see Jesus reject the atheist guy. Like he goes up there and Jesus is like, oof, okay, this is awkward. Uh, My car is this way. I'm walking the other. You're that back that way. Great. Hey. Turn back into smoke. You? Your body. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't have the picture of the footsteps in the sand in your living room. So sorry, (laughs) dude. Nope. I'm out. Right. And and this, of course, brings us to people who are alive who can talk to the dead, uh, <laughs> starting with the example of the 12-year-old girl who knew about her dead little brother. What the fuck? Remember when we collected the dogs? We also collected some dying 12-year-old <laughs> girls for yeah. our study. Our priest had oh. an inline on those. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where we learned that she knew about her older brother and her mom is amazed because... She had never told her about the brother who died as an infant, to which I wrote in my notes, really? You never mentioned that your child had a sibling who died ever? (laughs) Not once? (laughs) I know this was the 70s and there was a lot of that keep calm and carry on bullshit, but it never even came up in conversation why there were all these boy shoes lying around in her baby room. Yeah. Covered in tears. (laughs) Covered in tears. (laughs) And, uh, that means it's time to tackle the world of the seance. And we, we see like the typical seance room with the weird lady and the, the turban and everyone holding hands. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is this movie's point here? This is correct. Well, it's interesting because then it goes to a bunch of dudes who are doing research into channeling ghosts. And so basically what the movie is saying is when women pretend to talk to spirits and do voices, it's hysterical theatrics. But when a man says he's channeling ghosts, we write scientific papers about it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> <Right>. pretty much. <laughs> and, and he has this weird moment where he's like, yes, obviously there are con men, but not everyone who says they talk to the dead has been proven to be a con man. So they're real. <laughs> yeah. It's just that none of the real ones want a million dollars from James Randi. Just on principle, they're good people. They don't want that million dollars. It's it's got Jew money on it. (laughs) Right. And and again, 
He explains, I couldn't find anything about this study. Jonathan, maybe you had more success. They said that they did an investigation for six years on this one medium channeling this one dead guy. And after six years, they had to conclude that it was authentic. Honestly, Eli, I looked at two papers. You guys aren't paying me enough for me to look at the third study. (laughs) (laughs) That is fair. And do they not just completely admit in the movie that it was like more magician tricks and more mentalism? Yeah. Because like, because this medium is like, you know, I see this person from the past. I'm channeling them. Uh, I see a, a large nose. I have this large nose. I... I checked in at Chipotle on March 10th. (laughs) If I was describing my relationship status, I'd say it's complicated. (laughs) And then they admit that that's basically what happened right after that. Like this was pre-Facebook. But then they say they were like the parascientists were able to check all those details and verify that they're true. But wait, a medium would never do that ahead. They have... Too much moral fiber. I mean, like, sure, yeah. we had that information that was available to the public, but he didn't because that would be lying. <laughs> right. I, I don't understand how they didn't understand they were <laughs> fucking up their own movie there. I love I, I love the idea of him like being like, okay, yeah, no, uh, let me see your notes first. Yep, I knew all this stuff. <laughs> I knew it all. It's crazy. <laughs> and now we get to one of my favorite skeptic debunkers, Harry Houdini. So, and I hate to ruin this because the movie makes it seem like Harry Houdini like debunked mediums because he's a great skeptic. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Houdini did seances and he started debunking mediums because it was a better show that paid better. Like, I, and look, I love that the myth has been carried forward and people like Randy and Penn and Teller are big skeptics, but Houdini absolutely gave zero fucks about people getting conned or cheated. So I love as him being set up as the great skeptic here. Right, and this is the part with the, like, code that he set up yes. with his wife. Oh, right? yes. Houdini's code with his wife. Okay, so... <laughs> Very long story short, and by the way, you absolutely have to read the long story of this because it's fucking bananas. But basically, Harry and his wife hated each other, hated each other with the fiery passion of a thousand sons, like toothpicks in the food level hate each other. But (laughs) at that point, he's famous. You'll understand love. You'll never understand love. (laughs) That's okay. Fair. Fair. Objection taken. We'll let the audience make up their minds. But... So he set up this code and he's like, hey, uh, this is what I'm going to whisper, whisper. I'm going to tell you this thing if there's ever a seance, right? She, very shortly after he dies, runs out of money and publishes what that code was in a book. Oh, no. Then either she tries to kill herself, which is what a lot of people think happened, or she falls down some stairs much, much later in life. The day after she falls down these stairs, a famous psychic shows up at her house while she's bedridden and recovering and is like, hey, why don't we do that seance right now? And I can tell you that secret word that Harry does. He locks himself alone in the room with her and comes out with a signed statement, not in her handwriting, saying he totally guessed the word. And afterwards, literally, this is actually what happened. And afterwards, they ask her, they're like, hey, did he guess the word? And she's like, no, he just came to my room and I was really tired. And then he told me he was a doctor and I needed to sign some stuff. That is what this movie is presenting as the debunking of Harry Houdini's skepticism. But the way they present it, the way they present it is that they go, you know, he had a message for his wife. The message is, Rosabelle, answer, tell, tell, answer, 
answer, learn, idea. And I mean, yeah. for, for Houdini's wife, this was like a punch in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> up, up, down, 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 left, right, left, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, start. How would he know that? Come on. Oh, this is how yeah. you do a babality on Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little late for 30 lives, though. But yeah. <laughs> Shit, should have used this while I was alive. But yeah, that is the story that they tell us. And 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 then they ask you, and then of course, while we're on souls traveling from body to body and contacting the dead, we have to talk about past life regression. And I did feel myself regressing in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we learned that uh, people get hypnotized and ladies will remember their past lives in Ireland. And I just want to say, these past life regressions, if you can ever watch them on YouTube or literally anywhere, they are the best because they are just housewives from the middle of nowhere, Ohio, doing the most racist impressions <laughs> of wherever they're thinking they're from. It's, oh, don't you know I sat there peeling potatoes and sitting there with me sister Mary and me mother Mary and me daughter Mary and I drank some Bailey's Irish cream and then I joined. yellow moons, orange stars, and green clovers. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure she was the Lucky Charms guy in a past life. We've proven it. Yeah. 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 So dumb. Basically, the host says, you know, we recruited all of our participants from the pile of rejected applications to Juilliard, and somehow they almost all started <laughs> acting like people other than themselves. Staggering. I know, staggering. <laughs> oh, we also get a great moment of a lady doing a racist pilgrim act talking about being attacked by Indians, and it does not hold up. She's like, there I was in my petticoat and tails being chased by blood-filled savages. And the movie cuts away. It's like, whoa, all right. Sorry. A lot of those past lives were um, racist. Racist. Super duper. Yeah, this is where they said that 93 out of 100 people that they dealt with recalled previous lives. That right? seems high, right? That seemed high, but like, I wanted to see the other seven too. Just being like, nope, nope. And I'm not very sleepy. You, you keep saying that. It's not. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. And our last case study of the past life regression here is a kid in India who, you know, being a seven-year-old, seven-year-olds never make up stuff. Um, he insisted that he was actually an old man who had been poisoned 60 miles away. Right. Yeah, he's a seven-year-old now and he's claiming he had like a wife and kids and they're still alive and he wants to go see him. And his dad actually takes him 60 miles away to like prove this all with like the remembering of a bakery in particular and also to meet his former wife from his former life. And I wanted to see this go into a lot more detail. Him, the little kid just being like, yeah, that's my wife. She's into some really weird... Okay, that's enough. That's enough, little <laughs> kid. Kid's obviously a demon. Uh, that's enough. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's going to... You sure? I have a full bladder. I said I don't know what he's talking about. Keeps trying to slide her phone number into the kid's hand. Stop it. We Omarashi. We're yeah. all talking about Omarashi. We, yeah, we are. We do have to remember this was before television, so people had to entertain themselves in interesting <laughs> <Exactly>. ways. <Yeah. laughs> so now you're probably wondering, okay... 
People die. They have past lives. They can contact people through seances. They're psychic. Uri Geller is real. But what happens when you kill yourself? Oh, yes. And this is where we learn about a little suicide in Gary, Indiana. Yeah, when I heard this, I thought, oh, shit, she must have been living in the 200 Demons house and just couldn't take it anymore. But, <laughs> uh, but no. So this woman, uh, instead, she picks up a clearly blank piece of paper in her kitchen and pretends... <laughs> <laughs> the prop department had their had a day off on the on that, that yeah. particular shooting day. And she pretends that it says her fiance ran away with his mistress. And then she runs to her car. She's driving like a maniac. She's holding onto the wheel like a, like a crab attempting 10 and 2. It's very awkward. <laughs> and she runs off a ravine like Toon says a driving cat, take the wheel. And she sees no light. I wanted her car to land on top of the other guy's car so badly. <laughs> We only have one Jesus. shooting location. There's one ravine. Got permit from one ravine. <laughs> That's why the nurse was so bored when she did CPR on him. She was like, another, we got to stay away from this corner. This is like the lightning room at the hospital. They should put something on a shelf here. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, but she doesn't see any light. And instead she gets like a subway tunnel and there's pain and there's snakes. So the lesson, kids, is that heaven is a wonderful place with Jesus on a chessboard but you only get there on his schedule. If you lose patience with the waiting, you get to experience the New York subway. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote down like the path train to Jersey plus snake bites. Oh, <laughs> sorry, like the path train to Jersey. That yep. was redundant. Yep. Shouldn't have released those snakes. It's on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we see her in, I guess, hell. She's got zombies who attack her and, and they... They make her look into hell's butthole where she sees her sad parents and credit where credit is due her sad future kids who never will get to be born. Wow. Yeah. I wanted so badly for like them to drag a dude over and he's got 45 million jerk off kids trying to talk to him through the little portal thing. Just like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, a sock. It's just a. Fiery pit of dirty socks. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, kids. There's a scene in uh, the new Red Sparrow movie where Jen, she takes all her clothes off. And you could just see pretty much. I'll talk to you guys later when I come here in a few years. <laughs> so now the movie is going to do a near-death experience reenactment from the first person with us, the viewer, starting oh. with... Not with me. No, no. Want to know what it's like to almost die? No, I don't. <laughs> well, but he's going to show us anyway. I was like, nope, skip. I <laughs> skipped this scene. And he's describing it. And he's like, you will see a light and you will see cities. You will see your loved ones who have passed on. And I just wrote in my notes, hi, grandma. Didn't, didn't put off till tomorrow what I could do today. Sorry about <laughs> talking about that on the podcast. And then just thinking about like, us all running into Jesus, just like, ah, awkward. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he takes us through a full life and death experience. And now that we've seen the scientific facts, he leaves us on this thought. If you're religious, you think you're no. And if you're a scientist, you don't. <laughs> yep. And the, the theme here seems to be if you want to find out the answers, you'll need to almost regular die and then almost kill yourself. 
this movie is saying to do those things. <laughs> yeah, it really does seem like that's the recommendation they leave us with. By the way, this movie has the best worst final line because you could tell they all thought it was so deep until he delivers it. He goes, I guess we'll all find out someday in the end. Or is it the beginning? <laughs> Stupid. No, because it's the beginning. Obviously, the end... Roll credits. Damn it, no! <laughs> Speaking of credits, first thing we see in the end credits is that this is based on real events, but the people have been portrayed by mm. professional actors and actresses. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and little known fact, there was a stunt coordinator for this movie, which means that uh, yeah, all of these dramatic falls that these women were taking in the kitchen and their fainting spells, they were all studiously choreographed. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, uh, that was fucking stupid. Um, I think we can all agree that life is a near-death experience, so it's kind of dumb. So we'll leave you with a quote from Kilgore Trout via Kurt Vonnegut. Life is no way to treat an animal, and neither is this movie, honestly. And while that does it for our review of Beyond and Back, that's not going to do it for the episode just yet, because we still need to keep you watching soul-crushing movies, and us too, that's the job that we have. So, Eli, uh, tell us what's on deck. The Mystical Laws. This is movie two from the Happy Science Cult, the people who brought us uh, Hitler riding a laser-firing woolly mammoth last time. Okay, I feel like I might be lost. <laughs> if I missed that one, am I going to be lost? <laughs> uh, no, I think it all ties together pretty well. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I think good you'll get it. All right, uh, last thing before we close it out. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. Is there anywhere people could go to hear more from you? Sure. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Cracked Science, or they can just search for my name. And if people want to see like all the work that I do uh, about science and pseudoscience, I have a website uh, where all that stuff gets uh, archived. It's JonathanJerry.com. Um, thanks, guys, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Much appreciated. All right. Well, with that, whatever Eli was describing, science culty thing <laughs> to look forward to next week. We're going to bring episode 203 to a merciful close. Big thanks again to Jonathan Jerry for being smart and funny while Eli and I have a slap fight. That's kind of the format. And once again, a huge thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make this show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help us out a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist, Citation Needed, and The Skeptocrat, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Our theme song is written and performed by Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. All other music was written and performed by our audio engineer, Morgan Clark, and was used with his permission. Thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week. For Eli Bosnick and Jonathan Jerry, I'm Heath Enright, promising to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with the Breakfast Club close. Dollar Store Orson Welles nailed that frozen peas copy on the very first try. <laughs> <laughs> that seven-year-old kid from India went to town on his wife from a past life. And if you don't think that's okay, 
then you're a bigot and you don't understand science. Chessboard Jesus spent the next 40 days and nights pondering, hmm, should I go G5 to F6 or G5 <laughs> to E7? Can I move to E7? No. Bother? <laughs> There's a race to scroll down, by the way. I don't know if we told and you. And I am there and first. And I won. I, I, am. I came in second. I, yeah, came in first. I saw you That's appear. Cool. You, I saw you appear. You wow. harlot. Wow. wow. You're going you're gonna to do this? I need, do this every we time. need the draft versions again. I, we, now it's a race to type something. <laughs> <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.